This is exactly right. I'm Kate Winkler Dawson, a journalist, author, and podcast host. And I'm Paul Holes, a retired investigator with experience solving some of America's most notorious cold cases. Together, we host Buried Bones, a historical true crime podcast on the Exactly Right Network. Each week, we examine a different case from history and use our years of experience and 21st century forensics to bring new insights into these very old tragedies. Like the time the Sausage King of Chicago's wife went missing in 1897. Don't miss new episodes every Wednesday. Follow Buried Bones wherever you get your podcasts. Things happen. Adults drown, you know? So, uh, again, it's how do we shift our society um, and have that awareness and raise our children just like buckling a seatbelt? We all know at a very young age that we have to buckle our seatbelt every time we get into a car. We need to understand that, hey, if we're on a boat, if we're on open water, we should be wearing a life jacket. Like, Let's just get this into a normal part of our conversation and and be accepting that this truly does save lives. Welcome to Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan. I'm Dr. Dan. This show is about making the world a more loving, accepting, and compassionate place. One parent, one person, and one child at a time. The key to raising healthy and engaged kids is for parents to seek the same in their own lives while striving to be the best versions of themselves each day. No matter who you are or where you came from, With increased awareness, you can be purposeful about leaving a healthy footprint for your children, your family, and all those you care about while living your own life to the fullest. Today's show is Drowning in Silence with Shazik Tsunoda. Shazik is a mother of four boys, a documentary filmmaker, and the founder of No More Under. She's passionate about drowning prevention with a specific emphasis on equity in aquatics and expanding water safety accessibility. Her commitment to this effort can also be seen in her legislative advocacy, which we'll be talking about today. Additionally, she recently produced, directed, and starred in the featured documentary, Drowning in Silence, about the grief she experienced after losing her son to drowning. This is an individual who is living her life with purpose, with awareness, and with courage. Chesik, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Dr. Dan. I really, truly appreciate you um, having me and just the platform that you've created. Um, So I watched, I I purposely saved watching the documentary until yesterday. Uh, It's important for me to immerse myself um, in the experience uh, prior to having these connections. And um, to say that I was moved, um, it is an understatement. It is so powerful. It is so um, emotional. It is uh, in many ways... uh, gut-wrenching, I have to say, as a parent, and um, and also the hope and the mission 
it, it's just it's something that we I, I've been so looking forward to talking about with you to support you and all of the other families who have been victims to drowning to get the word out. So your mission and Yori's life saves and impacts so, so many. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I like to say that it's a heavy but hopeful film mm-hmm. um, because you definitely need some tissues to get through it. But um, as you talk about awareness and and even self-awareness, I think it's really important to not hide behind mm-hmm. um, the facade that everything is okay. I walk through the world every day mm-hmm. like everything is okay, but my son is not here. and. Right. It's hard. Yeah. Uh, again, understatement, and um, and you more eloquently captured what I was trying to say <laughs> in terms of the <laughs> the gist of this is it's 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 hard and it's hopeful. There's hope. Um, for the benefit of our listeners, please let everyone know the story. Your story. Sure. Um, I will just start with um, prior to being a mom of four, I used to work in film and television. So that was kind of my before mom life. And then, oh my gosh, I fell in love with being a parent. Um, I had four boys in five and a half years. So juggling a lot and busy. And then in 2018, my son Yori drowned in a backyard pool. Uh, and again, devastating. I can't, as much as I try to express, uh, the gravity of how that feels, I imagine because we are talking with parents here, they can understand that. Um, I kind of kept moving because I had to, right. I had three other boys and really had to be there for them. I I don't know if I would be here if it weren't for my children. I had a one-year-old at the time that I still had to get out of the crib. I was still nursing, all of that. Um, And about a year after, it was literally uh, the anniversary of Yori's death coming up. I I took a chance and, and knew that I was supposed to do something and shot a small little weekend of what will or would be the film. Um, and realize that people don't know the information. It's not out there. And oh my gosh, content shifts people's perspectives so intensely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so over the course of the next two years, I went around the country and interviewed other people who had lost children um, from drowning, whether physically or um, mentally. You know, there's a child in the film named Fabian who is still alive uh, mm-hmm. after going through um, a drowning incident and seeing what his family is dealing with um, mm-hmm. every day. So I was really, I was just called to do this and um, I'm, I'm hopeful that it does make an impact um, for, mm-hmm. for families, parents, pediatricians, anyone that touches a child's life mm-hmm. truly. Mm-hmm. And it, it already has, um, as evidenced by some of the content in the film and the advocacy, which we'll talk about. One in f- uh, the hi- So drowning, the highest cause of number one cause of death for children ages one through four. And 
yet we as a society don't take it like that compared to other things that we know um, cause death, right? We, you know, guns and um, drugs and dep severe depression, all these other things that end with death. There's water, there's pool, there's splashing, um, there's swim lessons for some segments of our population. Mm -hmm. Were you shocked by this when you, when you immersed yourself by, um, you know, by calling, um, and experience, or did you know some of this before? Here's what I knew before. I knew that my kids needed to know how to swim. I was, I'm fortunate. My, my family, I took lessons at the YMCA. I didn't make it to shark cause I was scared to dive, but I knew I'm supposed to get my kids in a pool and have swimming lessons. My kids did have swimming lessons. Um, I did not know that it was the number one reason that they could die. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I don't want parents that have children beyond the age five to look away because it's the number two reason leading up to 14. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's it's a tricky one because we're not waiting for any doctors, no offense here, but you know, we're not waiting for doctors. We're not waiting for cures. We're simply waiting for, um, a societal shift mm -hmm. of water is fun, but water can also be dangerous and we need to know how to protect ourselves. It, that's all mm -hmm. it is yes. truly. And it's 100% yeah. preventable. Right. And when you say it that way, it sounds so simple. And for you to say it's 100% preventable is really important for everyone to hear because that means so much of life is out of our control and, you know, your experience out of your control and the other um, individuals in the uh, movie and stories in the movie, so powerless, feelings of s such powerlessness. And here... There are there there are concrete steps that that people can take, and I, I if would like you to share a little bit more about your story, because I think for me listening to it and then thinking back of all the pool time with our kids, I'm like I would have done the exact same thing, like the exact same thing. This wasn't like this wasn't a situation where a child, which happens unfortunately a lot, a child wanders into a pool all by themselves and no one's looking and no one knows. This was a regular daily situation. It's summer now. This is happening right now all over the country. That's right. And in my case, um, and many cases, uh, there were adults all around. So there's an 88% chance that an adult is there when a child drowns. 88% yeah. chance yeah. that at least one adult is present. And in my case, I was present. Um, there were two adults in the pool. His, his dad was in the pool. Um, and it really is this case of everyone thinks someone else is watching. Mm -hmm. And so that's why one of the, one of the, uh, you know, I guess one of the most important things to have when you go to any body of water, whether it's a pool or a beach is a water watcher. And it seems so simple. Oh yes. Someone to watch the water, but we don't get it that if it, if I read a text message and answer a text message, a child can drown. 
uh, an adult can drown. Mm -hmm. And it really is a critical moment. Um, I'll tell you as a mother that in the film, I say it, I had a sense, but I really, Dr. Dan, I knew. I Mm -hmm. specifically in that moment said, where's Yori? Mm -hmm. And we had a little miscommunication Mm-hmm. that that really led to the death of my child, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a nod to me, and I thought, oh, he's over there. And I didn't follow that nod to say, well, is he over there? Mm-hmm. And it's not, I'm not uh, in a blaming space at all about it. I could have put on a life jacket. Um, Yori was not a strong swimmer. And in fact, he was in swimming lessons uh, right. weeks before, and was screaming, mommy, don't make me swim. And I was like, okay, we'll do it in a couple weeks. You know, I had him signed up for lessons, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Um, so I guess biggest picture with my story and a lot of stories and why I think sometimes we don't hear a lot about it or pay a lot of attention to it is because it's, there's shame around this. It, there's mm-hmm. pain around this. And so it's not like there's news cameras there every time someone drowns or every time someone is taken to the hospital because they drowned and are, you know, attempting to, um, you know, be okay. And so we don't hear about it unless a celebrity's child drowns. But this is something that happens all through the right. year. Well, I think the statistic was three drownings a day. Something crazy. Like children, right? Or, or in general, is it children? Three, three a day children or just a, 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 anyone, humans? I'm not great at math, um, yeah. Dr. Dan, I have yeah. to admit. But there's a, approximately, yeah. a, a, approximately a thousand children a year drown and, and die. So fatally drown. And then eight, um, for every one of those children that drowns, eight um, children go to the emergency room. And mm-hmm. some of them have lasting neurological yeah. difficulties. Yeah, yeah. And as you talk about, so I want we'll save some of the information for folks to see. I want to not spoil everything, but Fabian and watching Fabian's family and Fabian's life and who Fabian was and who Fabian is now and all still holding out hope like his parents. Um, it's devastating. And, you know, I w- let's go there right now because this is, as the arcs of the story continues, but there was this, you know, really, um, I just powerful, uh, conversation with you and, um, Roxy's parents who, um, you know, feel responsible in a different way (laughs) than your experience. And you say the difference of, you know, they weren't there and they have to live with not being there and a decision they made for Roxy to go to a summer camp. And um, there's that experience. And then there is Fabian's parents' experience of, okay, he didn't die, but wow, look what they have to live with 24 hours a day. And then there's your experience. And as you point out, like there's no invalidating or better than or less than, or but what has your evolving thoughts been about all these different types of lifelong consequences to how these things happen? Uh, That's a great question. I think um, I, what I really sit back 
into is just, it didn't have to be this way. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's why I'm out here screaming at the top of my lungs. Doug, Roxy's dad, is screaming at the top of his lungs. Those of us that experienced and have experienced this mm-hmm. um, don't want it to happen to anyone else. And unfortunately, right. it's something that you don't think is going to happen to you. Mm-mm. And that's why, you know, we, I've started an organization and we started with drowning prevention, drowning prevention. And and then you realize people have a deaf ear to that. Mm. So let's move into water safety. Let's move into get yourself educated, get your kids swimming because we know what can make a difference here. And so let's go the positive route and then just sprinkle in, by the way, just so you know, Yes, your kid can swim, but I can tell you about Drennan and Drennan was on the swim team and at 17 years old, drown in front of a lifeguard. It's like things happen, adults drown, you know? So mm-hmm. uh, again, it's how do we shift our society um, and have that awareness and raise our children just like buckling a seatbelt. We all know right. at a right. very young age that we have to buckle our seatbelt every time we get into a car. Mm-hmm. We need to understand that, hey, if we're on a boat, if we're on open water, we should be wearing a life jacket. Like, let's just get this into a normal part of our conversation and and be accepting that this truly does save lives. Mm -hmm. Yori, um, as a uh, person who spent a lot of time with kids and as a, a focus in child and adolescent psychology, I can say that Yori was and is a special soul. He, he, it exudes from him. Um, he didn't want to be in the water. He uh, wanted to be in the air. Right? He he was he was a future pilot. He was a future mm-hmm. like he he is in the air, man. He is he is he is flying somewhere and with you. And he so full of life and love. Um, I just have to share that with you because he really, um, he got, he got in me. I didn't get to meet your other kids as much in the film. Um, but he is a special soul and, um, his, his life has tremendous purpose, uh, although tremendously short. I really appreciate that. Um, you know, as a parent, we all say, oh my gosh, my kid's so amazing, you know, but I I am grateful that you were able to pick up some of who he, you mm-hmm. know, was. And he really was an awesome, amazing kid. Mm-hmm. I was sharing, um, and I it's a weird one because I don't want to put this on him necessarily, um, but I did a talk uh, not too long ago with a woman, Stacy, from the Autism Society. And, you know, autistic children drown 80 times more than average. 80? 80. 80. Wow. And I, obviously, Yuri is not here, and I, I don't even want to put that, you know, quote, diagnosis on him necessarily, but... I consider how he knew every single plane in the sky. I consider mm-hmm. how focused he was, like, you know, on certain things and how just intellect, like, he was so intelligent. He was three years yeah. old. Yeah. But, um, yeah. yeah, it's it's just one of those things. There's so many questions. There's so much that I've, um, I've stepped away from, honestly, of 
of the story over and over again and Mm -hmm. what I could have done different over and over again and even conversations that I had weeks leading up to it that were almost a sign in in the strangest way. Um, Mm -hmm. I've stepped back a little bit from that, but every now and then I'm like, well, gosh, what, Mm -hmm. you know. It's, mm-hmm. it's all of the questions when right. a child leaves, leaves you too soon. So Yeah, yeah. Well, as a psychologist who specializes in gifted children, I can tell you um, he was one of those. He, he, was, he was intense. He was sensitive. Yes, he knew the model of every plane. Um, he, the way he connected, um, you know, with, with, with neurodiversity, it, it takes form over time and if things become more clear over time. Mm -hmm. And so, um, like, like you said, who knows about those characteristics, but I understand what you're saying, but I also want to really validate, um, man, this guy had, he had superpowers in, in just Mm -hmm. his presence. And, also, I thought it was really noteworthy. His pediatrician who um, came on and you interviewed um, uh, someone whose life has changed and who will also change other lives. Her comment was so spot on about the Yori that she experienced, you know, every once in a while, um, which we see in all the videos in the documentary, mm-hmm. and him lying in the hospital with such peace was such a juxtaposition to his existence, mm-hmm. right? It, it's almost like it, it, it was surreal to see him laying in peace because, and tranquility because it, that's not, he was so charged and energized mm-hmm. in life. No, for sure. It's, um, yeah, those were, those were hard days for sure. Yeah. Those were hard yeah. days. Yeah. I learned more about the disparity, the impact of um, slavery, the impact of continued um, institutional racism, Mm -hmm. and the statistics about African Americans um, and those that learn to swim and those many who don't and why. And that's also, I know, part of your mission is we have to talk about this. So let's take a, give us that's the historical perspective of why um, that statistic of um, African American, 64% of African Americans have no swimming ability. That's right. Little to no swimming ability and um, black and brown children are four to five times more likely to drown. Um, And so if you consider that pools uh, in the 50s and 60s did not allow black or brown individuals in them. So my grandma was not able to swim. Um, And even some of the beaches actually were white only. Mm -hmm. Um, And that you're only 13% likely to learn how to swim if your parent does not know how to swim. (laughs) So think of all of the black and brown people that were not allowed in swimming pools or, you know, let alone being taught to swim and how that has continued to impact 
generation after generation. Um, and at some point, if you don't have exposure to water in that way, it's scary to you. Uh, a lot of people that I've spoken to, their parents just say, stay away from the water. Don't go in the water. Mm -hmm. um, and, and truly, um, we look at having a bit of equity here because of the lack of access and the fears and cultural things that um, just don't allow space. And so I'm somewhat on a mission. Yes, equity in aquatics is huge. Um, our mission with No More Under is to get uh, black and brown children, also just under-resourced families uh, in pools, um, exposing them to water and how to stay safe around water. Um, I also truly believe that this is something that should be offered, whether it's in schools or our city programs, because think of it as a parent, you have dance class, you have baseball, you mm -hmm. have, um, what is the extra math curriculum? You know, you have right. all these other things that enrichment, all the enrichment. Yes, yes, that's right. And and we are just expected to do that now. Mm -hmm. You know, it's expected mm -hmm. that your kid is in all these things. So there are financial barriers. Um, and there's honestly just there's wait lists. Like we have over a thousand people on our wait list for free swim lessons. Wow. And I know that there's people on wait lists for paid swim lessons. Um okay. so if at all possible, um, having a city program or a school program at the very least where there's education mm -hmm. um, would, would ensure that no child is left behind, mm -hmm. would ensure that all children um, have a basic understanding of what to do if they're drowning, what to do if they see someone drowning, mm -hmm. and having awareness that, hey, ask before you get in the water. Tell someone think about adults that go out paddleboarding and don't tell their roommate that they're going out paddleboarding and they're missing. And then, Oh, by the way, right. Th these right. are all foundational, um, foundational tools that will not only save our children, but will save our adults and then mm -hmm. raise then their children yeah. will, you know, it's generational change for everyone. Mm-hmm. And that wonderful program in Southern California and Pasadena, I believe that you feature, right? I mean, amazing. Those schools are, they're, they're, they're field trips, 15 one hour lessons, swim lessons as part of their curriculum as for everyone. Their, amazing. 30 years, 30 yeah. years they've been doing that. And mm -hmm. honestly, I was, I just assumed that I would put this in the film and everybody would say, oh, this is it. Like, let's go. Right. Obviously it's money. Um, there's a lot that goes into it, but the biggest thing is I, I personally think as parents, if we start demanding this, that's when perhaps the right. shift happens. Why right. isn't my child learning how to swim? Like, right. okay, we're teaching Gaga ball. No offense to Gaga ball. Right, right, right. But we spend, you know, how many hours learning yeah. Gaga ball when we can take, you know, a short moment of that. And right. teach a life-saving skill. Right. And let's not talk about incorporating CPR into that at a certain age, which I, I can go on yeah. and on. Yes. I can go on and on. Well, that's, that's, why, that's why so we're simple. doing this. That's why it we're doing seems, this. Yeah. And it seems yes. so simple to me. The, yes. You know. Well, it, it, it is, right? At face value, it is that 
everyone should have water safety education and every child should learn to swim. Like that is very straightforward. And then, for example, uh, that program in Southern California, um, one of the uh, staff said it's you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars to run this program. So since a lot of our society and politics and advocacy, it all like goes with money, like let's just push aside for a moment all of the life-changing grief and all of the terribleness that goes with the loss. And if you just talk about money and you talk about $250,000 to teach however many hundreds, if not more, kids to swim, just think of the lack of cost of all of the immediate medical response and the long-term medical issues. If you just look at money and don't even look at the psychological human life aspect of it. That, that is correct. And honestly, there is a, a money that we can look at of how much it takes for all of the emergency room visits, those ambulance calls. That is millions of dollars, millions mm -hmm. that we could shift and save in a preventative mode. Right, right. But yes, le, le, yes, yes, I don't, I tend to, um, I tend to put things, I have to compartmentalize just to get through a day. So, you know, when you want to talk about, yes, the psychological impacts of families, of my children, right. um, dealing with the loss of their, of their sibling. Yeah. But there's, there's so much, um, that would shift there. Yes. How much? It's, um, it's actually beyond words to describe. Advocacy. So you also um, interviewed a pioneer in advocacy, um, very inspirational, um, who lost a child to um, being um, stuck to a, a, a drain in a hot tub. And I had a flashback of when I was probably a teenager, that was starting to happen. And I, it was almost like maybe yeah, young teenager, I think. And it, it was the reason it, it's so in my mind, it was a similar response to after watching Jaws where like, okay, I'm not going in the ocean anymore. Or I got to, you know, I'm, I don't want to go in the ocean. And then I remember being in a hot tub and just being afraid of being sucked in. And so, you know, her story is so powerful and changed legislature and, um, and now all public pools have these safety covers. So hundreds of thousands of lives have been saved in the last 15 years. Um, I imagine she is someone who's inspirational for you on your path to Yori's Law. That's right. Um, Nancy Baker, it, her loss was 20 years ago. And that was part of the reason I wanted to speak with her because the other folks in the film have had recent grief similar mm -hmm. to mine, mm -hmm. but you do look at someone who she's been living with this for 20 years. Um, and so wanted to tap into how she was feeling and still dealing with that grief. And also her journey of turning her pain into purpose. So yeah, there's been no deaths from, um, 
drains since she passed that law. Amazing. And it is, you know, when you meet someone that is inspiring like that and, and they've made such inroads, you, well, certain people, I was like, oh my gosh, like, let me get in there. What can Mm -hmm. I do? Um, And so Yuri's law passed this last, um, this last session and it's local to Washington state, uh, which is really, it's a baby step. Mm-hmm. We designated May 15th as Washington State Water Safety Day. So we're working now on curriculum, how we're kind of blowing it um, out of the water mm-hmm. and really baby stepping towards curriculum and and getting um, some pilots up and running so that we can have discussions in schools and um, and and tapping in. There's people around the country that are doing it. There's an amazing program in Hawaii. Um, obviously, there's Rose Bowl Aquatic Center. Like there are people that are doing it. It's just uh, so much work to do mm-hmm. at a state by state level and then right. a city by city level. And that's why I'm going to Washington D.C. next week just to kind of say hi, Washington nice. D.C. Like, nice. yeah. what can we do on a national level so that we don't have to lose children and right. then have their parents start an organization in right. the city? You know, it's it's so much. It's so much to ask. So you've congratulations. Uh, it is. I know it's a significant step. Um, that you've taken in your state. And I know when you look at the big picture, it can seem daunting. And also pointed out in the documentary is this challenge of, well, with Nancy, there was a specific, like there was a specific action, like one thing, like put this $160 filter cover on top of the drain. Done. Right? And there are so many different ways that people drown, right? And so isn't it, it's like this harder narrative sell to people about something that is more diffuse than a specific act. It's it's very true. Um, and it is what makes it, this work. There's a, a few things that make this work incredibly challenging. Um, but you can talk all day about pools, but you're missing those newborn parents who go grab a towel while their child is in the bathtub. Right. Um, I sat next to a guy on a plane weeks ago who told me about his son um, that he found in the toilet um, oh. at, at you know a young age toddling in, and he was face down in the toilet. Thankfully and gratefully, um, he survived. And he said, but I know where you were, you know, there's like a 24 hour period where you're waiting for your child to open their eyes, you know, what is going to happen. And so, and then we have open water and not only do we have open water, we have riptides. Like there are so many things, um, which is why I baby step back to education. Mm -hmm. If we were able to talk um, to again, children about, Hey, here are these five things. Know when to go. Let's do a stop, drop, and roll for right, water right, safety. Right. You know? Right. Um, and I know for sure New York State has just uh, passed a law that just like um, w- right after you have a child, you watch a, a video about purple, it's purple something. 
uh, or the shaking. Bottom line, New mm-hmm. York State has just passed a law that parents have to watch a video mm. about drowning before they leave. And so it is mm. like, how do you hit the yeah. segments of society um, to make that shift? Because yeah. it's such yeah. a small shift. Okay, you've been smattering these things in here. So let's, I want to put them together for everyone. So tell us the main things that parents need to know and the main things that children need to know. Okay. Um, and I, and I will do my best here because, you know, we used to say that there's seven layers of safety and mm-hmm. I think that's a lot to remember when you have yeah. to remember your passwords for seven different things, <laughs> you know, right. already. Right. Um, I, I like to start with know before you go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like, um, are there going to be lifeguards where you're going to be? Are there life jackets? Are there riptides where you're going to be? Um, how strong of a swimmer is my child? We're doing swimming mm-hmm. lessons right now and we ask parents and a lot of times it's off. They think their mm-hmm. children are stronger swimmers than they are. Mm-hmm. Um, so know, know your environment. And I also like to say that um, really know where you are because if I would have had to call 911, I, I didn't know the address. I knew how to get mm-hmm. to that house. I knew how to get to the pool but I didn't know the address. So know where you are that if you, mm-hmm. um, and then another one that is a little bit, you know, after the fact is we should all know CPR. If mm-hmm. we would have performed CPR on Yori, there is a strong chance that he would have been here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say those are the things that I kind of like to say to parents. And, and most importantly of everything is, um, be a water watcher, watch your mm-hmm. children when they're in and around water and get your child mm-hmm. into swimming lessons so that they can mm-hmm. be safe. Yeah. I would say, you know, for children, we set up booths a lot and in, in community fairs. And when I'm talking to children, I'm like, do you know how to swim? So mm-hmm. really getting children excited about swimming and wanting to know how to swim. And two, I say, Remember, before you go, always ask for permission. That's something mm-hmm. that we need to consider. We mm-hmm. tell our children, hey, look both ways before you cross the street. And it's, hey, I'm going to go in the water. Are, are you going to be able to watch me? Mm-hmm. Um, and and then you see how it goes. It's like I keep going. Yeah. But um, I do just think that if we had some sort of information that we could get out there of do not go and save someone unless you are trained. Mm. Um, it's called reach, throw, don't go. So we have some stop, drop yeah. rules. It's just yeah. not out there. Reach, throw, but don't go because so many people drown that way. Yeah. And if we had a little something that people knew, hey, if I think that I'm drowning, I need to, you know, um, flip, float, and follow. So it's like mm. trying to flip on your back. Try right. and float because there right. there is a moment where you're in shock. You've taken in water, and what do you do? Right. So right. if that is something that is in your mind of hey, this is about to happen. What did I learn in second grade? What did I learn in fourth grade? And by the way, what did I learn in high school? Because they repeated it. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Those are all. Those are all really important. And the 
last thing you said really jumped out at me from the documentary, which is teaching kids to float um, buys time for them to gather themselves, but to be saved by others. So just learning when you're in trouble, roll over, float, and to have that skill, which we know you have to learn that skill, but once you have it, you got it, and that can make a huge difference on what transpires. And, and guess what? If you have a life jacket on, floating yeah. is much easier. Yes. Yeah. You know? Yes. So yeah, we need to figure out how to um, get out of our life jackets are not cool, you know, mode. Yeah. I mean, we've gotten there with helmets uh, most of the way, I think, with uh, like skateboarding and biking and motorcycling and snowboarding and skiing, right? Like those used to be really uncool and mm -hmm. everyone wears them now um, because head injuries finally people understand are not good things, right? So this is, this is, should be the next wave, everyone, right? Like just put on the life jacket. Um, oh. So much to talk. Okay. So as we're starting to wind down here, pain to purpose. Have you been finding there is a progression from pain to purpose to healing? A non-linear one. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I think, honestly, you know, for me, I consider the time that I would be spending raising Yori and the energy that I would be putting into him. Um, and I, I've put it into my organization and I've put it into helping other children learn how to swim. Is that sometimes incredibly painful? Mm -hmm. Even understanding that I, you know, our, our organization is helping others. Sometimes being at that pool and seeing those children it breaks my heart mm -hmm. of, of why I'm, why I'm here in this space. Um, but I know that I'm healing. Um, I know that I'm growing and it's not easy at all. It's mm -hmm. not easy at all. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've realized and seen how, different people handle their grief. And I can't, it's not a judgment. It's just an observation of how people get by. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And my choice has been to, I'm, it's almost an avoidance because I'm so busy doing something else, but I, I will admit I've taken a bit of a baby step back to really deal um, mm -hmm. and allow myself the space to, to kind of sit with my reality. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, so it's constant. I, this is five years. Yeah. This yeah. is coming up on five years and, and I am, I, I'm my therapist. I owe so much to honestly, mm -hmm. she, um, has been amazing and was there during the, during the, um, time we were in the hospital and, 
you know, she reminds me, like I send an email to myself, schedule, send an email to myself every year. You're feeling this way because of grief, right? The body, the body keeps Keeps the score. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, Nancy, you know, 20 years into it, uh, described the knife, the sharp knife and that over time it gets dull, but it's still a knife, (laughs) but it dulls. Do you, I know you, this is very new five years into it. Do you yet have a similar start of a similar experience or not yet? I have learned, um, that love heals. People say time heals. And in my experience, it has been leaning into love um, and being able to open your heart after a tragedy like that happens because you close it off. It becomes dark. Um, it, it You're broken. And when you allow love back in, that in my experience is what has been able to allow me the grace and space to laugh again and to enjoy simple things um, Mm -hmm. again. Uh, So the time, I don't know about the time. I I don't know when people say that, but love. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. It's it's just my you know that yeah. it is just what I've what I've uh, what I've been walking with and and I'm walking alongside of Doug is one of my best friends you know mm. we talk yeah. often and and he's handling his grief in a completely different way and we'll just not tap into yeah. the love you know his wife actually passed away oh so talk about oh, the disease. Wow of losing wow. a child. She, um, she had previously had cancer and that grief, Oh wow! it gets you. And so, you know, Doug has stepped into a moment of losing his wife, his child, and then not too far after, um, Elena. And wow. so I, mm. I, mm. I have seen what this loss can do again a preventable loss yeah. has completely yeah. shifted and changed wow. you know their family dynamic in his life <sighs> it's just unbelievable what the universe gives people um okay i was not expecting that <laughs> that's a lot um and my heart goes out to Doug. Doug, you are a powerful man if you are listening and um, very powerful man and strong. Okay, Shazik, it's, it's time for the parent footprint moment question. Okay. I'm having, I'm having trouble transitioning after that one. Um, okay. Tell us about a time that you became aware of yourself as an individual, as a parent, or even an awareness of your own parents. And that new awareness had a positive impact on your life, 
your children and or those you love? I don't want to cheat here, but I feel like I have a couple of moments. <laughs> Go for um, it. I will step into the first one of, of just recognizing these moments of solitude. Um, and I remember being in high school. I had to transfer schools um, pretty abruptly and last minute. And um, it was a massive high school. And being this, the only person um, surrounded by these kids coming in in the middle of the school year, um, I really became aware of the ability to shift and change who mm. you are at any given moment, right? Mm -hmm. um, I consider, you know, my mom is from a really small town and so many times people put who you are on you. And they expect you to be the same person all of the time. Um, and in high school, my junior year, I had awareness of the ability to evolve and become anything, I, mm. dressing or anything. So that's like kind of a minor something. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But again, those moments when you just realize how massive this planet is really yeah. like, you know, yeah. I know that it's, it's going into a high school moment. And then, you know, the other one for me, obviously my uh, whole life really shifted, um, you know, being in a hospital with a child um, that is near death or dying um, and advocating and becoming the only thing that this child has to possibly keep them alive mm -hmm. um, was for me as a parent. Um, childbirth for me was like incredible and amazing. I know that sounds crazy, but mm -hmm. it does shift you in that moment. And so there's that shift. But um, being in that hospital and feeling like I was the only thing that could potentially keep Yori alive and then having to step back and realizing the lack of control. It mm -hmm. doesn't matter how many people you know. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Some things are complete. It's, it's that release. Yeah. And so I became very aware of myself as a parent and even more so how much I, my kids need me beyond what I ever knew. Mm -hmm. um, and also the ability to release a little bit of my control. You know, I was mm -hmm. a four kids. Oh my gosh, we are here and we are here and this is what we're doing and this, that, and the other. And I just, it was, um, it was a humbling experience an an incredibly yeah. humbling experience that, um, I now just understand things on a different yeah. level. That only someone who has gone through what you have gone through and the others who have can even remotely understand. Yeah. And, and only if you want to understand it, you know, mm -hmm, it's, it's mm -hmm. a constant, I'm constantly peeling layers 
mm-hmm. to get to raw, you yeah. know? Yeah. Which you c- courageously did in your documentary. Um, and that's part of the power of showing raw humanity um, at its core rawness at times. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you, Yori, for being here and your role in all of this. And um, also as a result, lots and lots of people get to know Yori now, which I think is a really good thing. Thank you. I I honestly appreciate you taking and making the time to watch um, and to share, you know, with, with your folks, because obviously it's something I'm passionate about, but I truly believe that it will save lives. Like I believe that Yori is saving lives. So um, he is. is. Yeah. Yeah. Tell everyone um, where they can find the film, where they can find your nonprofit work and everything related that they need to know. Okay. I appreciate that. So the film uh, is called Drowning in Silence. It's currently on many platforms, Apple TV, Amazon. I believe it's on YouTube, um, even Xbox. So check your um, places where you do stream. And um, you can also go to drowninginsilence.com. We have some scenes that um, didn't make the film, some more information, even places where you can find swim lessons in your area. Um, and speaking of that, we are, you know, doing swim lessons out in the Washington state world, um, with no more under, uh, the nonprofit and that is no more under.org. And I really do just appreciate, um, it's a, it's about talking about it, right? That's really what it's about. So, um, watching the film or watching the trailer and being able to say, Hey, did you know, And hey, did you know, and the more that we have the conversation, um, a real conversation about it, that is when change happens. Yes. And uh, it's happening. It's happening. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Anything that we can do to continue to support your mission, um, we are all in. Um, So... Thank you for telling your story and your authenticity and um, your mission. Yeah, thank you so much again for having me and and just for creating um, an environment where we can have this conversation. Um, So thank you again. All right, everyone. This is a really important episode. Please share this with absolutely everyone so you can help save lives and get the word out and continue to help Yori's life have the meaning and purpose that it has. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of our community. Thank you for your five-star reviews. Continue to do your best to be that person you want your child to become and ask yourself that guiding question I ask myself each day. What footprint do you want to leave?
This has been a Peters and Rossi production. Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan is produced by Laura Rossi. Our engineer is Phil Rossi. Theme music is Strummerman, composed and performed by ProTunes. Artwork is by Garrett Ross. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Parent Footprint Podcast and on Twitter at Dr. Dan Peters. For more information, go to exactlyrightmedia.com. Follow Parent Footprint with Dr. Dan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show.